on Eve. She has the power within her to make things right. And I've come to tell you today, there's a lot of people who have messed up their lives. They've done things wrong. They've made mistakes. They've been deceived, tricked by your enemy, bought into a lie, got off track, took a wrong path in life, fell to temptation since even being saved. You got saved, then failed, and you bought into it's over. I had my chance. It's a lie from the pits of hell. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, the father of all lies. He will make you believe it's too late. You've done too much. You only get one chance at this thing. You're lost for good. You won't ever get another chance. You'll never be who you're supposed to be. Your past is your prison. The church don't want you. But I've come to give you truth. You can get back up and do it again. It doesn't have to be over. God will vindicate you. Maybe it's been detoured, delayed because of mistakes you made. But it doesn't have to be too late because you can have the power within you through Christ to make things right in your life again. How can you change it? By the power that worketh in you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I know what you think. Yeah, but what I did was pretty bad or, or what I went through was devastating. Let this word help you today with those issues. Let's talk about what I believe was the most tragic situation a family could face, and let's see how it played out in their life. It happened at the beginning of creation in the life of the very first family on this earth. Adam and Eve had fell to temptation, but they made things right with God, and they carried on with life. They'd go on to have two children, two boys, Cain and Abel. Things were going pretty good for them. They had repented, and they were worshiping God again. They were doing this family thing. One son, Abel, is tending the flock. The other Cain is plowing the field. But in them, they had inherited the sin nature of their parents. Remember, they failed from that day forward. Every man is born into sin and is in need of salvation, having a need to be born again. Spiritually speaking, not physical birth, but a spiritual birth. So here are the two boys seemingly doing right, but they inherited their DNA from their mother and father, the sin nature of their parents. This is the problem we still have today raising our children because you're fighting your own genes. You want them to turn out perfect, but they have you in them. If Adam would have been had a son, but by Eve before the fall, it would have been heaven and earth for these parents. But Adam and Eve had their children after they fell. Therefore, their failure put a curse of sin upon all men. So we know sin is not passed through behavior. It's through genetics. Every person is born into sin and is in the need of Christ to be washed and cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So while everything appeared to be okay for a certain time, something happens. A quarrel between Cain and Abel leads to Cain killing his brother Abel. So here is the first family tragedy. It can't get any worse than this. You think your family's got problems? Now here stands Eve with promise and prophecy over her life was told by God something good was going to come out of her womb, so she was expecting it to, but now how can this be? How can there be anything good about this? Her life, her dreams, her promises were crushed. She was devastated. She had two children, and one just killed the other one. Where is the good in that? That's the way we raise our own children, expecting something good to come out of us, and when they fell, we're devastated. We do our best to raise them right, but it still happens. Sometimes we want their lives to vindicate or validate us in some way. So we can say, see, he or she proves I'm good. 
Sorry, it doesn't work that way. You know I'm right. It takes a long time for some to quit trying to live their life through their children. They try to get them to become what they never did. Trying to vindicate your, fa your failures. If you can just get them to live right, somebody knows I'm telling the truth. So here's the first family in a mess. It's one thing for your kids to have a fight. The church, it's another thing for them to kill one another. You talk about a family that's messed up. Look at this first family. In our first, in our first attempt to get this thing called family off the ground, it turned out to be a disaster. Now get this and watch what I'm saying from here on out. Let it be relevant to your life and your situation and circumstances. It will speak volumes to you if you'll listen and apply it. Because I'm really not talking about Adam and Eve at all. I'm now talking about the things you hope for and expect out of your life. And how before you ever really got started doing what you were called to do, you had a disaster. And you gave up on the dream or the call or the career or the marriage. Why? Because you believed you had one shot at it and you blew it before it ever really got off the ground. We got a lot of people in the body of Christ living with a defeated mentality and it not, not be, still being haunted by the past. If that's you, then you truly don't know who you are in Jesus Christ. You truly don't understand God's grace and mercy and truly don't understand that at salvation, you became a new creature. Behold, all things were passed away, all things have become new. And that your sins were thrown into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. And we got too many men and women trying to dictate to people what they can and can't do when God says that they can. And too often we believe man over God. But I ask you, who has the final say? <clears throat> Something good was to come from Eve's womb, the one who would crush her enemy's head. But it wasn't going that way so far. A man wasn't going to vindicate her or validate her. Life slaps us upside the head all the time, one thing after another. Seems like just when you're about to get a breakthrough, just when you're about to get a turnaround, just when you're just going to try again, just when you're fixing to do what you're supposed to do, what you least expect to happen happens. It knocks the wind out of your sails and makes everything seem so impossible once again. You're expecting to go this way, but then bam, and it goes that way. All of a sudden, you're being pushed in a wheelchair, or he walks out on you, or they close the plant, or all the money's gone. Your, your only car now breaks down. Your heart starts acting up. Just when you were about to, we see it all the time. We place someone in leadership, then bam, affliction shows up, which Scripture validates. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Can you even begin to imagine what Eve felt? Step into her life for a moment. Can you imagine how she felt the day she got word? Cain had just killed Abel. When she heard she had lost both of her sons, yes, it was actually both, not just one, not just Abel, but Cain too. But how did she lose two? Because the murderer, Cain, is sent away by God with a curse upon his head to the land of Nod. All hope is gone for him too. He's to never return. He's a dead man walking. Abel, he's dead. His blood had sunk into the ground and began to scream for justice. While his mother's heart screamed and her hopes and dreams had been crushed, her life had been shattered. Not what she had expected. God had told her he would crush her enemy, but here she sits, crushed by her enemy. I'll tell everyone of you something. At least one point in your life, you will go through something that crushes you. Something that makes you think that all hope for for it is gone. Something that will make you reconsider all you believed and been taught. 
And you'll even ask, was it a lie? At least once in your life, you'll question your faith. At least once in your life, your hopes or dreams will be shattered, leading you to believe it's over and all hope is gone. Understand this, folks. They're the first family. They were not as privileged as us, but why is that? When this tragedy came, it wasn't like they could go down the street and get some help. It wasn't like they could call their pastor or like they could call 911. They can't just pick up the phone and call a friend or post it on Facebook looking for help. They had no mother or father. They had no mother-in-law or father-in-law. They had no counseling center to attend. They had no church family to lean on. They are in this mess all by themselves, literally. They have a mess. What are they going to do? It's just Adam and Eve again without nothing but pain and sorrow. Are they going to give up or are they going to try again? Cain is out there running for his life like a wild animal in the woods while Abel's body is being placed in the ground. The first death of the first family was by murder by his own flesh and blood. Her very first kids was a disaster. Her very first attempt to do what God wanted her to do failed. I'm talking to somebody now. If what she went through is not a tragedy, what is? Let me ask you, especially you ladies, if that happened to you, would you want to have more kids? Would it make you want to try again, to keep on going? Or would you be more likely to give up? If ever there was a failure, this was surely one. This was about as bad as it could get. When one of your kids is dead... And the other son is on death row because he's the one that killed him. Things are pretty bad. But there was this nagging problem Eve has. Even though she wanted to quit, God had given her a prophetic promise that would not go away. A promise that's not contingent upon what she's been through. There it is. That's the nugget right there. But contingent upon whether or not she's obedient to it. Contingent on whether she calls it quits or not. When you quit, it doesn't change the prophecy over your life. It only changes whether or not you're going to fulfill it. If, there, if It's there if you're willing to go through what it takes for it to come to pass. Because sometimes you've got to go through a lot of things to get to your promise. Because if, if what you go through doesn't kill you, it will make you stronger. And as believers, we are to endure afflictions as the good soldiers of the faith. The Apostle Paul was beaten, shipwrecked, snake bit, and beheaded on his journey to fulfill his call. Your situation, your circumstances doesn't negate the prophecy. It's still there. It will always withstand the test of time because God knew when he spoke it over your life, you were capable if you were willing to. Your situation may hinder it, may delay it, but it's still there. The plan, the purpose for your life sits and it waits for you to decide Yes, it is simply a decision whether to move forward with his plan or quit because of your plan. Your life is controlled so much by the decisions you make. Somebody needs to get a hold of this. This church needs to get a hold of it. There's prophecy over this church. Listen, if Eve's situation all her life was going to be devastated and crushed, just a failure, then God lied. And you and I know better than that. For our God is a God who cannot lie. If each situation is all her life is going to be, it will only be that way by her choice. Life is full of making right choices. 
Because regardless of the failure, the tragedy, God said something is supposed to come out of her to overcome her enemy, to vindicate her. Yet everything that's come out of her so far has been a mess. What do you do when you've tried but failed and want to quit? You usually give up. You usually quit. You usually reside. You usually back down. Because to try again would mean hurting again. It means risking again. It means believing again. It means hoping again, possibly failing again. What do you do when you try but fail to want to quit? And God says, get back in there and do it again. I'm not through with you yet. Hey, if you're not dead, God's not finished. That's somebody's song. You need to learn it. You need to sing it. You need to proclaim it, and you need to own it. I don't know who this is for or what you've been through. I don't know how bad it's hurting you, but I do know you're here or perhaps watching by live stream. You survived, but inside of you, something died. And you're sitting here just a shell of something that should have been, but you never became, you never lived, you never did, and you never finished. And life has cost you so much pain, yet there's still prophecy still hanging over your head. You can't change your past but you can change what you do from this day forward. You can let God complete his work that he's begun in you. I've come today to tell you it's not over, that God wants to give you another opportunity, that God is a God of second chances and even third, fourth, and fifth if needed. You're not here by accident. This is a setup to get you to get up, to get back in and do it again. Let's ask, did Eve receive a second chance? And did she take it? The answer is found in the fourth chapter of Genesis. It says in verse 17, Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and she called him Enoch. So the answer is yes, she tried again, but it didn't stop there. Then in verse 25, it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God said, she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. you got to get this. Verse 26, and to Seth, and to him also there was born a son, and he called him Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. You get it? God gave Eve another son by divine replacement. He gave her Seth in place of Abel. God said, I'm going to give you something new in place of something old. Oh, my, my, my. Somebody's heart should have just fluttered. For the first time in a long time, you just felt a jitter, a pulse of hope in your body. Now, let me finish. God says, I'm going to restore that which the canker worm and the palmer worm and the locust had destroyed. I'm going to do a supernatural restoration and replace that empty place in your life, in your spirit, in your heart, and in your mind. God said, I'm going to put something in there in place of what life took out of there. If you're willing to do it again, to try again, that is a word for somebody. Hallelujah. And Adam knew Eve again. And she bared a son and called him Seth. Seth restored back the connection between Eve's dream and her prophetic influence on the earth. It had once been severed, cut out by the enemy. You see, the enemy was sitting back and laughing after the Cain and the Abel disaster. They were mocking God. The demons in hell were throwing a party. The demons were high-fiving. They were talking smack. They were declaring victory. They thought they, that they had canceled God's promise. That's what they do when you give up. 
when you fail, when you quit trying, when they cancel out God's assignment for your life, they celebrate. The demons were proud. Who does God think he is? This is our earth. This ain't happening down here. I could see Satan giving, the, giving them the weekend off because they'd done such a great work. This family thing was done, so it appeared. Satan thought his plan to take them out was finished. The family plan was over, destroyed right off the bat, but they had underestimated God, that God was a God of second chances, a God of restoration, that he was a God who could not lie. If he said it, it would be. They didn't understand that God was always, will always restore back to you what the enemy has taken. To those who don't give up, well, you shall reap if you faint not. You may have not knocked down. You may even got knocked out. You may have ended, ended, needed a little recovery time, but don't you quit. Why? Because you got too much to gain to lose. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you hear me? Regardless what you lost, you can have it back. When? Today. You may have messed up, got your life all jacked up, but you serve a God of second chances and a God of restoration. You got a chance beginning today to get it right, to get back up and get back on track. I'm speaking to somebody, but I'm also speaking to this body corporately too. Sir, ma'am, all you got to do is try again. If at first you don't succeed, what do they say? Try, try again until you win. Now, let me just speak to the church for just a moment. I've been around here now for 24 years. I've heard prophecy after prophecy over this church. I've seen moments it looked like we were well on our way. But I have to say, it appears in the last two years, we've been literally under attack. That the enemy has come in and killed some dreams and he's caused some tragedies trying to stop the prophecies over this body. And we as a body have been through hell and high water. Some of you have lost some things dear to you. Some have quit and some of you are about to give up. But listen to the word of the Lord before you go throwing in a towel. God sent me today to tell hell, blow the candles out, boys. The party's over because the church is about to do it again. And we're going to get it right this time. The blood wars church is going forward. I speak to every dead dream, every dead ministry, every dead marriage, every dead career, every dead person prophecy. I prophesy this with the same authority that Christ had when he stood before an open tomb and commanded someone who'd been dead for four days to come back alive and do it again. I say to your bound up spirit, come forth. Be loosed in the name of Jesus. I stand here by the authority of Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life, and I pronounce a second chance to you. It's time to arise and shine and let your enemies be scattered. Lazarus died, but God said, oh, no, it ain't over yet. This thing that's happened to you, this tragedy's not unto death, and God restored his life. Then he thought Lazarus done. The people thought he was done, but he was just playing dead. God had a plan that would bring him glory. God had a plan that would validate Christ and his resurrection power. And he used Lazarus to accomplish it, and Lazarus lived again. And God has a plan for you to live again and for this church to rise up again. Many of you asking, can your dream? Dreams live again. I prophesy dead dreams come alive. Dead vision come back alive. Dead bones come alive in the name of Jesus Christ. Church, it ain't over yet. When God said it, he meant it. It didn't mean we wouldn't go through some things or we wouldn't make some mistakes. 
Eve didn't quit. She stood on God's promises. God restored what the enemy took. And the prophecy lived on that something good will come out of her womb. Something would vindicate her fall. Something would validate her life. Adam and Eve were the mother and the father of all creation. Satan underestimated God. I believe some of you have underestimated your God. Nothing is impossible, God. You just got to have faith in him. I say this on behalf of those who've been beat up and bruised and shattered by this world. Satan, just when you thought you had stopped this thing, here we come again. Here we come praising again. Here we come singing again. Here we come dancing again. What you thought was going to kill us, God used it just to make us strong. You may have taken one blow after another. You might have been hit on the left. You might have been hit on the right. You might have been knocked down. But there came that time when you felt something grab a hold of you, pull you up and say, boy, get back in this singing over you. Don't you give up. I'm for you and I'm not against you. Stronger now and wiser, more tasteless than I've ever been. If I finish this thing, I win. I got a prophecy over my life. I got a second chance at life. I played dead the first part of my life, but I declare it to you I'm going to live this part of my life because God is restoring my life. And what I thought I didn't have no more, he replaced it. And what I thought I couldn't do no more, I'm on my way. Tell somebody, I'm coming back. Hallelujah. God will bless you again. God will deliver you again. God will restore you again. God will give you joy again. It wasn't your fault. The devil's a liar, and you bought into a hook, line, and sinker. But now that you know the truth, don't you waste another minute of blaming yourself. Let God arise and your enemies be scattered and go on and live again. Through a, though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get back up. Here's the thing, get this. When it says Seth begat Enos, and then men began to call upon the Lord, you got to get this, what I'm saying. It's through this lineage that Christ comes. Now let's go all the way back again to, to Eve. What was the prophecy? Her seed shall what? Bring about the one who will bruise Satan's head. Have you got any clue to what your seed can do for the kingdom of God? It was prophesied her seed would bring about the seed who would bruise Satan's head. And who shows up to birth the Messiah? And through what lineage did Mary come from Adam and Eve's? So the seed of Adam through Eve's womb produced a lineage that would bring forth Christ, just as God had promised. Christ came as promised and vindicating her and validated her. Through this lineage, priestly service began again. God will always have an earthly representative of who God is. And this didn't come through the Eve's first attempt. It was through her second try. Get this. So it's safe to say all that Christ would come through would be through a failed family's second chance. And some of you come from a failed family's lineage. But in spite of it all, God is still going to do something through you. And through your lineage, he can change a whole generation. God didn't wait on better material or a more obedient person whose past was cleaner or more righteous or holier than Eve's. Eve's family was messed up. So were many more families all the way from Eve to Mary. He said, I'm going to use somebody I know who disobeyed me, who let me down, but I'm still going to use her anyway. Because I can restore her back to the condition she was in when I chose her. Because I know her. I know what I put in her. Come on, somebody. 
that ought to make someone shout right there that God's able to restore you back. Of all Christ did on this earth, he did it through somebody who had fallen down and got back up. That's why I can't deal with people who believe they've never done anything wrong. I don't trust them. If you have no sin, the truth is not in you. I read the Bible, and I see over and over again where God used people who blowed it, who messed up, who failed, the least likely candidates, to do great things for the kingdom of God. These people had issues, but they didn't give up, and God didn't give up on them. Just when they thought it was over, that there was no hope for them making it, when it appeared nothing was left, God rattles their cage, shakes them, and says, get back in. It ain't over till I say so. I know what you went through, and it wasn't your fault. It was the enemy made you believe it was. For I gave you a word of promise, and forever my word is settled in heaven. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about prominent men of God. Noah was a drunk. Jacob was a trickster. Samson was a womanizer. Naomi was a bitter woman, but, she, but he still used them. I declare unto you, God is not finished with you yet. You may be finished with him, but you don't have to be. You've been lied to. All you got to do is get back up and do it again. I don't care how messed up your family was. He can still bring what he spoke of your life to pass. I don't care how much our, cha- our church family's messed up. He can still bring to pass what he spoke over this church. We just got to get up and get back in and endure life as a good soldier. Put on the whole armor of God so that we can withstand the wiles of the enemy. If that's you today, take a stand. If you're broke, stand anyway. If you're divorced, stand anyway. If you're afflicted, stand anyway. If you're discouraged, come on, stand anyway. If you're lonely, stand anyway. If you're hurt and you're confused or you're weak, stand anyway. Because today, God has sent me to tell you that the devil's a liar. You're getting another chance at this thing, that he's going to restore some things. You can't live your future contingent upon your past. But you can change your future by the power that can work mightily in you. And God is saying to you as an individual, get back up, get back in, and do it again. You got a second chance. You know why Adam and Eve tried again? Because they knew God. They'd had a face-to-face encounter with God. They had met with God. And God had put something inside them called faith. Now, before I bring this thing to a close, I want to speak to the church one more time. I want us to understand we have such a valuable part to play in the restoration and reconciliation of people. According to 2 Corinthians 5.18, and all things are of God who has reconciled to himself, reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. All those people I was talking to are going to need help. And God says it's the church's place to help them. It's a great responsibility to be the church God wants us to be. But before I make my point, I first want you to watch a six-minute video clip. It'll be six minutes. I want you to listen very closely to everyone who speaks in this video. You're probably at first are going to be a little shocked at where the clip originates from. But if you just watch... It's going to fit right into the point I'm fixing to make right now to the church tonight. Do you guys play it? And who are you? I am Nikki Edgar. And this is 
This is my husband, Ryan, and this is my daughter, Jaslyn. Yes. Your daughter? Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. And, um, yeah, we're a, a modern-day family band. And how did this all come about? Well, we've had the failed record deals and the yeah. things. When did you have the record deal? I was a Christian artist, and I ended up getting pregnant and being a, um, a teen mom within that. So they kicked me out of the industry, pretty much. I grew up singing with my family in church. And when I was 13 years old, I was in a singing contest that was through a local Christian radio station. It was within a year that I had a record deal. I was doing arena tours, traveling all over, singing for 100,000 people, and I met a guy. And uh, it progressed kind of quickly. And before I knew it, I found out that I was pregnant. Pretty much immediately, stores were taking my records off the shelves, and radio stations were taking my songs off the air. I went from touring the country to being completely rejected. It was one of the lowest points of my life. When Jazz was born, she was a huge light in a really dark situation. Growing up, I remember singing with her and dancing with her, and she always made sure I was happy no matter what. She really, she really is my hero. <laughs> and you, what more do you want than to give your kids everything? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> and then I met Ryan. And he was this missing link for us. Getting to adopt Jaslyn, I'm just blessed. I think we all are like a puzzle. We're all a certain piece, and we can't do it without each other. It's like I'm back on the journey that I started on, and it's just so amazing to be doing it with my family. It's a real happy beginning. Okay, well, look, the good thing about shows like this, you get an opportunity to prove these people they made a mistake, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, best of luck to you. Thank you.
the most incredible, soulful voice. And to see you here with your daughter and your husband has just made it even more beautiful, that sound. So thank you for that. I loved it when you were harmonizing. I also think that America will fall in love with you guys. I really do. You know, uh, it's, uh, your story is a, is a very common one. You, you got pregnant, and then changing your life and walking away from a career. But ultimately, uh, as tough as that is, I think tonight you have just given birth to a second chance. It does take guts when you've been through an experience like this to kind of bring yourselves together. There's something unique about you, real about you. I love your voice, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Really love your voice. Thank you. Um, and there's just a very special energy from you three. Oh, now, thank you. I like you. But we have to vote. Howie? You know, it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get up. And tonight, you just got up for your first yes. I give you a definite yes. It's a yes for me. See you in the next So here's my point. When is the church going to stop doing that? If you missed it, she started out singing in church. God gave her gifts and talents. She failed. And her testimony is in front of millions, the church rejected her. When are we going to quit shooting our wounded? And if you heard, you know, the church had them, but they rejected them, and then the world got them. And there's so many people just like that in that same situation who go along in life, and they're doing their best, and they're trying, they have struggles. But so many of them think or even told they got one chance at it. And if you blow it, you're out. Where is reconciliation? Where is restoration? Where is the body of Christ showing love to those who are struggling, trying to do things right? She became a Christian artist. But no one ever said, she never said anyone ever gave her a second chance. She never spoke of restoration. I can understand correcting her, but not rejecting her. Where is the love of the church? Reaching out to her and helping her reconcile with God and helping her to restore her life. None of us are perfect. And as bad as some want the church to be perfect, it will never be until Jesus comes back. When the church becomes free of sinners then it no longer exists as a church. It's simply a good old boys club. 
If the church can't accept people who fail, help give them a second chance, the world sure will. The world will accept them just as they are. It's a sad day when a bartender will listen to your troubles and encourage you, but yet the church rejects you. So many stories just like this one. People give their lives to Christ, and they make a mistake, and they're counted out. We can't endorse sin, but we must endorse forgiveness and restoration. What took me from where I was to where I am now was Jesus. I got another chance at life. And he can take you from where you are at now to where you belong in the kingdom of God. And if you should sin, he says he's faithful and just to forgive you of all sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I'm not talking about someone who's practicing sin because until they repent, they separate themselves from God. I'm talking about those in a moment of weakness are tempted, those who are snared by the enemy, those who want another chance, who are truly sorrowful. They hurt the heart of God. We are all born with a purpose for the kingdom. We have to do his will and not ours. And we have to stop destroying people who are trying to do his will, but yet at times they struggle to get there. God judges the intent of the hearts. And too often we only judge them by the mistakes they made. How long are we going to keep making this mistake? God is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances, whatever is necessary. All the people that rejected her and snatched her music off the shelf and put her in the darkest time of her life, as she said, I just wonder how many of them have ever sinned or were living in hidden sin. Because the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. Now the world has so many people who should be serving God, but they're serving the world because they were rejected by the church. Let him without sin cast the first stone. I know there are times because of the nature of the sin, you have to be put on a shelf or step back for a while and refocus until the process of restoration is completed. I know whom too much is given, much is required. I know leadership's held to a higher standard, but I'm not talking about the mechanics of ministry. Right now, I'm talking about the soul of somebody's life that has failed and needs somebody, needs someone, needs the church to reach out and help them to get past, get up, and get back in. Because I don't think you have to be rejected or cast out, especially by the church. We're to help our brothers and our sisters to be restored. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. To become overcomers, we've got to be able to overcome things. When David fell, didn't nobody kick him out of his earthly kingdom. But you let a Christian fall, and too often he's thrown out of the kingdom of God. I'm just making this point because I tell you where we're at at this nation. With all the chaos, with all the pandemics, with all the economic turmoil, and all the evil that's taking place all around the world, many people are failing due to temptations, due to being snared, due to fear. It's causing a lot of people to make a lot of bad mistakes. The pressure is overwhelming. The enemy's turning up the heat. And we better be ready to help people who have promises over their lives get through these times as a church so that when someone fails and they come to themselves as the prodigal did, they can, they can come back home to the fire. Father's house. The door of the church should always be open to them for them to return and be reconciled back to God. 
The church ought to be like the prodigal son's father who exemplifies our heavenly father. He waited for the opportunity and he welcomed his son back home with open arms and a kiss. They even had a celebration. Do we even realize how many think they can't come back home? We hate the sin, but church, we must love the sinner. You know what I wish and pray? Next Sunday, every drug addict, every prostitute, every adulterer, every drunkard, every sinner in Butler County would walk through them doors and we would have a celebration. Hallelujah. Because somebody's son, somebody's daughter who was dead is now alive and back home. And they'll never be known as the boy who did or the woman who was. And we'll call them by their rightful names. Tommy, Tony, Betty, Jamie, Betty, June. Welcome home. The church has to make up their mind. We either love them or we don't. Too many people only love a certain kind of people. Did you know a sinner is nothing more than who I used to be? Who you used to be? Paul called them out on this one Sunday in the church of Ephesus. Remind them all who they used to be. When we have more compassion for a lost animal than we do for someone's son or daughter, our hearts aren't right. If we shut the doors on a sinner, then we no longer exist as a church. I'm just making the point, church, we got work to do. Because I'm praying like Solomon did for the temple. God, if they committed any sin, send them here. If they're in trouble, God, send them here. If they've been abused, God, send them here, God. And let this church be ready to receive them. But I pray when he does, we're ready to love them even through their struggles. You know, the hospital will treat them, people regardless of their age, whether they have money or not, whether they've been there a dozen times seeking help or not. They don't say, well, this is your second time overdosing. We aren't going to help you live this time. How much more should we be like that as a spiritual hospital? That regardless of their age, race, social status, degree of sin. No matter how many times they mess up, we keep trying to help them save their lives. How many of you, when you try to teach your kids to ride a bike and they failed and got hurt, did you just take their bikes away and say, you can't do this? Or did you keep helping them up and tell them to keep on trying until they learn to ride by themselves, no matter how many times they fell down? Why is this message so important, I feel? Because there's a lot of broken wounded, hurting, and lost people out there, church, tonight that I pray make their way here and that when they do, they'll find a welcoming, loving church that will help them until they can ride on their own. Regardless how many times they fall down and struggle, we keep encouraging them to get back up. For 24 years, I prayed this prayer. God, teach me how to love like you. And since I prayed that prayer, I see people differently than I've ever seen them in my life. When I see people bound by sin, I see a prisoner. 
And I see myself as a soldier of the faith wanting to help them fight to get free. They're just bound. God wants to bruise the head of the enemy. My musicians come. I told you the week before last that the hurting and the broken and the lost won't miss this move of God, but the religious will. They missed Jesus then, and they're going to miss him now. When are we going to quit making this mistake as a church? I'll tell you when. When we learn to love like Jesus does, because love covers a multitude of sin. And God is saying, palace of praise to the church family. Get back in this thing. There's a prophecy hanging over you. Maybe we got some things messed up. Maybe we've gotten off track. But I've come to call the church back. There's a strong arm here today. There's a strong voice here today. Ready to lift us up and send us forward once again. Ready to restore some things and some people. Would you stand? This story of Eve represents so many of us today, our lives. We feel like such failures at times. Sometimes we feel so beat up. We thought we had the only family that had issues. But we found out tonight the first family had issues. And the last family will have issues. God had a plan for your life, your dreams and your goals. But perhaps you were deceived by the enemy. He's led you astray down a wrong path. He attacked your family. He's attacked you. You feel like you've failed miserably. There's a problem. For too many, you won't be honest and admit you have felt this way for quite some time. And the truth is we've all, if we all would be honest, we've all at some time have felt this way. The enemy loves it when he, we hide our issues and when we deny our weaknesses. It hinders a service like today when God's wanting to turn someone's life around, to turn sorrow into gladness. It hinders what he could do today. So I plead with the congregation not to withhold, to try again. Today you should understand God is a God of second chances. And if necessary, third, fourth, fifth. That you know that he doesn't never give up on you. That it's never too late to turn things around. Today, whatever the enemy has stole from you, God wants to divinely replace it. He wants to defeat your enemy. He wants to crush him. He wants you to put your enemy under his feet so you can live again, so you can love again, and so you can try again. To anybody who's lost something, God has come tonight to restore it. Tonight you can receive divine replacement. The world, your circumstances have taken something out of you. Tonight let God put something back in you. Well, what if there's nobody here like that? Well, that's okay. I'll just chalk it up to I'm practicing what I'm going to preach when they are here. I'm preparing because they're coming. God's going to send the hurt, the lost, and the broken here. And we as a church have got to be ready 
to help them. If that's you, come find you a place at the altar and let God restore you. Let me start the process of restoration in your life. If that's you, would you come?